Fan fiction, the final frontier. These are the voyages of retro fanfic retrospective. It's five-year mission to dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of the 23rd century. I'm Mr. Amato, and with me on the bridge are... Lieutenant Tory. Petty Officer Dom. <laughs> Petty Officer. Is that is that actually a rank on a Star Trek ship? Yeah, it's one of the highest non-commissioned ranks. <laughs> now, I want to be clear, we're not actually doing this for five years, are we? Well, I mean... I haven't made that commitment in my <laughs> life yet. I, I, I don't know if I can... Do I was it. hoping six years, so I, maybe mm. we, there's some wiggle room. Yeah, we can work on it, work on the timeline. How long have we been doing it so far? A couple months? Yeah, where, three, four months. Where do you count on starting from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. Uh, well, you know, I feel like we'll probably run out of fan fiction to talk about before five years have passed, right? How much could there possibly be out there? Seeing as you're the one that comes up with our <laughs> fan fiction list, that's not a very encouraging thing to hear. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought this uh, this idea had legs. That, that's, that's why I went through all the trouble. <laughs> so we're on an exploratory mission, Dom. Uh-huh, okay. So um, Amato is still learning and discovering what is at the ends of the fan fiction universe. Damn it, Amato, you're capping style too slip shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. We're at no risk of running out of fan fiction. <laughs> Especially old fan fiction, which... Um, you know, every year that passes, there's more old fan fiction. Also, and, more new fan fiction. And tonight's fan fiction is the oldest so far. The oldest we have done so far, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, kind of past our purview of the 90s. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's all pretty much just whatever I want to do right. well, at this point, not, isn't it? I mean, is the 90s are important. Is, is the 90s our strike zone or like our hard limit? as to the youngest. Well, I, I think it's I, definitely not a hard limit since this one's from 1979. <laughs> I was thinking of it as more the latter. Um, I mean, earlier in the planning period, the kind of oldest that I was looking at was late 80s, and I was like, oh, you know, we, there's something that I want to do from then. Hmm. But then, you know, realizing that the fan fiction scene goes back farther than that, even, like, for stricter definitions of fan fiction than, you know, people writing Sherlock Holmes stories in, like, a yeah. hundred years ago or whatever. Uh, even then, you got the Star Trek scene, which was a big deal. Well, and Star Trek, yeah, it's super formative for what fan fiction is today. Absolutely. Yeah. All kinds of fandom stuff. And that's why I thought it would be interesting to read something from there. And I, I forget how I ended up on this one, but it was probably some recommendation list somewhere. Because this is a, like, somewhat famous Kirk Spock fan fiction. Famous. Famous... In Kirk Spock fan fiction history, yes. Hmm. Um, before we jump into the fanfic itself, do we want to talk any more about original series Star Trek and our th- perspectives on it? I never really watched much of the original series. Mm-hmm. Most of my appreciation has come, in, has come from an angle of appreciating people who's a priv- who appreciates the series. That's like a- where I was at, but now yeah. I am genuinely fond of it. From having watched Trek in the Park twice, back when <laughs> yeah, it was still going. Yeah, well, now that is actually a good point. I liked Trek in the Park a yeah. lot. Here in Portland for about four episodes, like four years in a row, or maybe five, over a period of five or six years, I forget, there was a amateur theater group that staged episodes of original series, um, and they were really good performances. I saw, yeah. I saw them doing they the trouble with Tribbles, and... The episode where Spock's parents are introduced that I don't remember the name. Tower of Babel. Oh, um, yeah. 
I think I saw those too. And that one they were both was... really good. Um yeah, they even had a vocalist sing the theme song, mm-hmm. like yeah. and like the full like they not a full band, but they had like keyboardist and was there another member of the band? Anyway, they they did the music, they had the sets, even though it was in the park, they had like the captain's chair and Which reminds me and, I really just good. did a version of the opening, you know, opening text. Mm-hmm. So who's going to sing now? Hmm. I'm not quite a soprano, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not anything. So I don't remember the music anyway. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know what my vocal range was. So. Yeah, that's not something you like I want to practice. You don't want to hear it, basically, on a recorded medium. <laughs> Fair enough. But yes, uh, I don't think any of us have watched thorough, thoroughly original series, or even like consistently, or even large amounts of it. Right? I've considered it. Like uh, I have caught one or two episodes, and they're okay. I mean, like yeah. it's an, it's an old show. Right. With all the problems that comes with it. The, the pacing, the cheesiness, the yeah. at times flat out bad dialogue. <laughs> I think I've actually seen most of it throughout my life, but it's never something that I would have watched, you know, uh, episodes in a row of, you know, or back in the day when you couldn't do that, would have watched like on a regular basis. And I appreciate the uh, very like optimistic progressive perspective that they were trying to bring to the show mm-hmm. um but oh yeah like you dom i mostly appreciate it from a distance yeah so clearly we are the best people to talk about <laughs> this fanfic right because we have <laughs> i didn't no watch, feelings uh, towards it i have seen star trek the animated series oh, like yeah, multiple times so um i feel like i'm fairly qualified you're the most qualified of, out of us i think <laughs> probably star trek the animated series is really fun to watch like the animation is Excuse me, super low budget, but it's, they all have like three different facial expressions they go through. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. It's like watching one of those like contemporary adult swim cartoons where they recycle animation from old shows, but it's actually just is. Or like one of those cheap flash animation ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like that, except it's traditional animation. I think animation. any flash animator but would make fun. something that looks better than Star Trek, the animated series. Uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> you probably get filtered the good stuff, I think. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our fanfic specifically today is This Deadly Innocence, which I think is a poor title because Innocence did not kill anyone in this fanfic. Mm-hmm. I was watching out for it. <laughs> well, but, well, we'll get into that. <laughs> well, this one didn't. Oh, I, this I Deadly was, Innocence, yeah. right. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought that the concept was the innocents would have killed them had they not gotten through it. Yes, anyway. Yes, okay. This potentially deadly <laughs> innocence. This deadly innocence averted. But this has an interesting <laughs> subtitle. Yes. Which is the end of the hurt comfort syndrome. And I didn't know what that was, but the author kind of talks about it a little yes, bit. Yes, in the version we read posted online, the author has a really quick introduction. And between that and just context, you can kind of pick up what's going on here. Yeah. But first, we should probably name the author. It is Leslie Fish. And just for the record, this fan fiction was originally released in the fanzine Naked Times 3, which hmm. was a Kirk Spock uh, Naked fanzine. Naked Times. Naked Times 3. Heck. Which was published in <laughs> 1979, before any of us were born. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, later republished in K slash S Relay. Do you just call that KS? Do you have to say the slash? I don't know. I don't K think K slash S Relay slash. number four. That was an anthology. Of slash fiction? I don't yes, it was an anthology of slash fiction that was published in other fanzines originally. Mm. And that was in 1982. 
I mentioned that it was published in two places because it turns out they had separate illustrations that went in them. Well, is it KS or SK? It's KS. Okay. <laughs> That's just what it is. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm coming from like the Sorry. Japanese fan perspective. I don't know. Those are both two different fans. I'm not sure they it's care. Just, it's two characters named K and S, mm-hmm. and they're yeah. paired together. In the... And they run relays. Yeah. <laughs> That's what fills the whole anthology. Uh, Leslie Fish wrote wrote illustrations, drew illustrations themselves for the original version, but they got someone else to do art for the second version. Um, hmm. It's not, it's not like terribly interesting. I can show them to you. I mean, the most <laughs> important thing is that you get to see very small bears um, oh, yes. illustrated. Now, there are miniature versions of wildlife <laughs> yeah. in this, which is super cool. I like, what well, the thing I like about Star Trek Especially the original series is all the interesting creatures. That's what I liked about the animated series. So well, like the original like series is one of the few shows that really tried to step outside oh of the box, gosh. as it was. That's actually really cool. This was the second version. The art is pretty dope. I like it. It's well, it like attacked some, by gerbils, yeah, it looks like. like. <laughs> fascinating, like, graphite sketches drawn from reference, probably. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty good sketch of yeah. William Shatner there. That's a good Kirk. Yeah. Let's keep talking about visual things on this book club podcast yeah you guys can see what we're showing you right we're holding the phone up to the microphone (laughs) next is going to follow our interpretive dance of how this fanfic makes us feel (laughs) the illustrations by the way i'm finding copies of them on the uh article about this deadly innocence on fanlore.org fanlore.org yes the wiki fanlore.org um our specific link to this fan fiction can be found at bit.ly slash rfrinnocence, which is maybe not the best one because you have to spell innocence. It's I-N-N-O-C-E-N-C-E, and I always want to put an S in there. Oh. But there's not an S. That's because you're so innocent. It's in- So naive. No, that didn't work as well as I thought it would have. It's no, In-no-sense-se. if you're Italian. Right, exactly. In-no-sense-se. I'm yeah, it's three N's and two C's, so keep that in mind if you're trying to find the link to this. Would that be a pretty low Scrabble score? To this. In a sense. Yeah. C is higher than some letters. Hmm. Isn't it like three? Isn't C a four? I is it a four? four? I don't know. I think it's four. And so multiple C's, um, that's about it all you've got there. Yeah, it wouldn't be much. N's are N, pretty cheap, right? N's are, yeah. N's are like a one. The vowels are all a one. That's nothing. Can we fit any X's into that word? Exnocence? Ex, 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 makes no sense. <laughs> I would put down exnocence as a word and dare other people to challenge me on it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Same. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It, it sounds like it probably is. I mean, anybody with like a cursory knowledge of like uh, Latin and Greek roots could make up just about anything and challenge people. Isn't it people. frustrating <laughs> when something sounds so clearly like a word based on its roots and just isn't? I yeah. feel like I, I will go looking for it in multiple dictionaries just to be like, I swear that has to be a word. That should be a word. Every well, so often I try to make up the word outrovert. It That sounds like it should be a word. <laughs> we are not prescriptivist linguists here, so yeah. all yeah, you have no. to do is make it popular, and presto, it's a word. That, that's um, literally all you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you have to have... And five yeah. instances of academic publication, then you yeah, can put it in the dictionary. There. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I just make up words. Make I make up words all the time. I, I personally don't believe in prescribing specific grammar. 
or you know vocabulary the Eng- the English language. I, it's I, all different regionally, you know, based on group. Personally, I I have a lot of fun verbifying new words, mm-hmm. taking words and then yeah. verbifying them. Yes. Have fun with the English That's language. That's a punchline to a Calvin and Hobbes strip. Yeah, yes. yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we were talking about the subtitle of this fanfic at some point, which is the end of the hurt slash comfort syndrome. And from the author's introduction and from context, it appears that a large portion of the Kirk slash Spock fanfiction slash here being used in the general fanfiction sense of romantic shipping and in the original sense of Kirk slash Spock romantic shipping. Came from Hurt slash Comfort Stories. (laughs) That's right, Hurt slash Comfort Stories. It appears that a large number of the fanfics written about them were running off of this like, oh, something dramatic and painful happens and someone has to confess, and someone confesses their love to the other in that context. Um, or does some big dramatic romantic gesture or what, whatever. Well, it was more specifically that someone's in danger and that yes. was enough of a trigger to uh, facilitate a, a passing over of emotions by yeah. people. And so, they even like specified down to the point that like one would get hurt protecting the other person mm-hmm. or like doing something for the other person. And then that person would be there to like comfort them, you know, it, or heal like while they were healing and recovering from their injury, and that would be the moment of intimacy. Sort of a, a past version of the modern day like wounded soldier trope. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Where like a romance future comes version, from it's the twenty third century. But the, oh, right. the fan fiction was retro. Otherwise, we would not be talking about it. <laughs> Good point. Oh. Whoa, it's <laughs> a tricky one. So the author was specifically writing this in response to that trend, writing a fanfic where Kirk and Spock get into a relationship based on communication and talking to each other. Which was great, <laughs> by the way. Like, I was just like, yeah, that was dope. Except for the fact that imagining Kirk and Spock, like, romantically involved makes me want to gag, but... Well, like we were saying before, can you imagine the animated versions of them and make it better that way? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little, like, awkward, um, you know, animated kissing where, like, they keep their eyes open and their heads just glide next to each other and bump together. Well, because they'd be reused frames from different scenes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like, them in pain, probably, and then, like... <laughs> just oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no, no, now I don't want to visualize it. So this fanfic starts off with exactly the trope that the author is annoyed at, uh, where Spock has been badly hurt saving Kirk from something or other. I forget what. And <laughs> we get the first of many, many internal monologues that we get for both of the characters. And it's the kind, it's always in italics. There's a whole lot of italics in this. A whole lot of italics, a whole mm. lot of internal monologues. And, you know, here's just a sampling of just a lot. of Kirk internal monologue in this kind of context. Don't look. Win. 50-50. We've beaten worse odds. You can do it. Hours and hours of fighting. And we can't lose now. Please, Spock, come through alive. Alive and whole. Healing trance, all McCoy's skill, all my hope. Oh, please, Spock, please. I was going to say, a lot of this is written in kind of a halting way, but it is parroting Kirk, isn't I it? Think <laughs> yes, I was about to say, I just noticed the number of ellipses in this particular phrasing. It's very funny. It's going to be a long, long time. Touchdown. <laughs> you begin to find what the man... You know, at home, no, no, I'm a rocket man. <laughs> There's uh, a part of me that 
just unironically sincerely loves that performance. I, I don't know what it is. It's just very interesting. It's very interesting. I think, <laughs> of course it is, because say what you will about Shatner, but Shatner was perfectly willing to make fun of his own performance tics. Yeah. And did. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a funny guy. Yeah. I, I'll give him that one. Not attractive, but funny. <laughs> a little funny. And so in this scene, you know, Spock pulls through. This fanfic does not end with Spock dying, which would be quite an aversion of the usual tropes. Uh, but, and, you know, then they have, like, a romantic moment and are, like, holding hands. And it's like, oh, I'm so glad that you made it through safe. Right. And Which is the, the crux of the syndrome they're talking about. Exactly. Right. And so then we get McCoy, who's kind of, you know, standing in the doorway, glaring at them. And also standing in as the author's thoughts on the matter. Oh, McCoy is just the mouthpiece of the author. <laughs> I kind of buy it because what McCoy basically does is take Kirk aside and be like, I am sick of your shit and Spock's shit, and we're going to stop it right now. Now, is McCoy a psychologist or psychiatrist? No. Yeah. Uh, Tori, he's not a psychiatrist. He's a medical doctor. Yes. And that's what makes it especially interesting in this scene, but, because... I mean, to be fair, though, uh, if their syndrome involves them getting physically hurt a lot, then as a medical doctor, it is their right to say something. That and that's argument. his justification. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's interesting. He makes this justification, but he has no, what do I want to say, like, real license to yeah. diagnose anything here. All he's got he's is just, a theory, he's got which a theory. is 100% yeah. right as it happens. Right. Which is but, also completely Star Trek. They don't, right. They don't, nobody has any licensing to do what they do. They just have theories, and it's true. And the theories yeah. are right. Yeah. You're right. It is very Star Trek in that sense. Uh, McCoy goes off on a long rant on Kirk, saying that, look, you two are sublimating your desires for each other by putting yourself in harm's way so that a person will save you, and or dramatically throwing yourself into dangerous situations to save the other, for so that you have like that moment when you allow yourself to connect when one of you is almost dying. And that's not cool, and I'm putting a stop to it right now. And so it, it, the rant kind of goes on for a while, a little bit longer than perhaps it needed to for McCoy to get his point across. But he kind of cows Kirk into submission um, and basically orders them to like go on shore leave. And it's like, I'm going to put you two on shore leave and you have to go communicate with each other. You two are on sexy shore leave, doctor's orders. That's exactly mm. right. I have never been prescribed sexy surely by a doctor, but I guess that's because I'm not in any military organization. That's probably true. It's probably pretty common otherwise. Like, I would say that if you are, like, a captain of a ship such as Kirk or, like, a first officer, you know, science science officer. What is Spock? A mister. Lieutenant, maybe? He's like, I don't know. Anyway, I know he's the science, chief science officer. Anyway, main point is... If you have these high rank positions, I can see how your doctor would prescribe you some sort of bougie vacation to relax you. <laughs> Whereas if you're laboring in a mine, your doctor's just like, eh, I guess you should get some more fresh air. Uh, try stepping out of the mine every 20 minutes. Yeah. No, no, it's actually a vacation for you. You get like a stimulating yeah. 10 minute break. <laughs> get you a tetanus shot. This is a utopia 23rd century. I assume that miners get sexy shore leave also. <laughs> well, I'm just going to imagine that. Yeah. Let's just imagine no one's still mining for coal in the 23rd century. How about that? That is actually what it is. They're just technologically advanced where people just work if they want to now. Someone's pretending to be a coal miner in some sort of like archaic, what do you call it? There's like Picard's brother who wants to be a a winemaker. Oh, yeah. 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 But that's got to be like just a a hobby thing. Historical reenactors is what I was trying to get at. Mm. (laughs) 
Like, Historical reenactor mind workers. Yeah. That's what I I'd do that. That you, sounds You could fun. do something fun, but, like, to actually work in a mine would be... Yeah. To actually labor is to have the value of your work exploited under capital... Like, have yourself exploited under capitalism, capitalism and the value of your labor reappropriated by a system. So I can't see how anyone would volunteer for that. Like... <laughs> Well, the, you pa- should the past the always looks rosy. <laughs> Some people are stupid. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the fun thing about McCoy's speech is that he's citing all these different incidents where they've gone into danger and like saved each other and like, taken these unnecessary risks that have ended up with the other person needing to save them. And this is not Star Trek canon from what I know. I don't think it happens all that mm-hmm. much in the original series. What it is is like taking this body of fanfic work as essentially representative of what actually happens with the characters. So it's like a kind of meta continuity here. Mm. Not that I think these are specific separate fanfics, just that like the the predominance of the situation in fanfic is being turned into the predominance of the situation between these two characters in the continuity of this fanfic. See, I just kind of assumed that that's what happened in the show because I don't remember the show well enough to... Well, I don't know, but I think actually your theory holds more weight there, Amano. I mean, I'm no expert. Neither am I. <laughs> Which makes us the most qualified to talk and make theories, and those theories are right. <laughs> hey, just like McCoy, mm-hmm. we are medical doctors trying to solve a problem with psychiatry. Yeah, so McCoy uh, talks with Kirk, and Kirk agrees, and then McCoy does some mind voodoo magic on Spock to make Spock agree to it. Yeah, well, it's like some simple psychological tricks, right? Where he's describing this abstract situation of well, these... He, he describes the situation just completely third-person and not, not related. Yeah, and he gets mm-hmm. Spock to agree to all his premises. Spock's like, oh, yeah, well, you, of course you need to intervene in this extremely interesting mm-hmm. situation. Well, if, if neither patient themselves realizes it, then it's even more important that they hash it out Which and talk about it. Interesting, because, like, I love how Spock is so completely oblivious and also gullible in uh-huh. this. I feel like that does ring true to the series. Like, it's been a while since I watched it, but, like... It's like in his desire to be logical, he overlooks some of the most basic information in the situation. There are some exchanges where like Kirk does like jokes at Spock's expense and Spock takes it literally and like abstractly like mm-hmm. this. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, it's like his his premise, his basis in reality is slightly different. So McCoy gets them both the, to go on shortly. Subtlety, mm-hmm. subtlety. Mm-hmm. But at this point, the, half the reason they're agreeing to do this is because they're both seeing it as the other person's problem. That Kirk is like, oh, mm-hmm. Spock has been putting himself in danger to get my attention. Yeah, we need to hash that out. And Spock is saying, oh, Kirk has been behaving so illogically to, to receive my affections. Like, we so need to deal funny. with this. And yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Where they're ending up sending on shore leave, you want to describe this bougie vacation spot? <laughs> they end up on a planet where, like, most of the... Basically, they're roughing it. Like, they're, they end up on this planet where the wildlife closely mimics Earth wildlife. Very but, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's a little few differences, such as a lot of the creatures there are much smaller. Um, there's also snakes that make honey. There's, like, just several differences. But basically their situation is they're living in a cabin where they don't even have running water. Um, they have to forage for all their food, but luckily, like, they know. They have, like, a, I think a garden outside. They have a garden and a guidebook. So they don't book. have to forage, per se. And they have in, a garden and a guidebook. They in forage case of emergencies, they, also, there's uh, a research post on yeah, this planet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like so they're, they're like, protected. totally... But 
Yeah, they've got to light much. a fire for heat, and they've got to get water down by the lake, which doesn't really seem ideal for someone like Spock, who is recovering from a serious injury and is walking on crutches right now. Yeah. Which also, I'm like, 23rd century medical science, like, he's using crutches? Like, there isn't, like, a hover chair he can sit in? Or... Yeah, sci-fi technology is uh, convenient to the point that they want it to be, so that's yeah. not well, too Well, most odd. of the time with, like, broken limbs in Star Trek, I've seen them just go, beep, 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 with their little scanny thing, and then, all right, you're good to go. Yeah, they exactly So this was, you don't see long-term injury recovery ever, so I thought this was a little bit inconsistent to the source material. Maybe it was... But a, it was convenient. Maybe it was another part of McCoy's plan. Yeah. Yeah, though well, I think Spock would have, like, noticed. He would have been like, hey, you can't like fix this like i know you can fix this well the other thing about the crutches is that they don't fit spock mm. and that is absolutely what he's doing you're right they comment several times it's odd of mccoy that you know he assigned you these crutches yeah that like aren't actually working for you yeah but then i think that you know they there's i think spock realizes that's part of the plan yeah it basically um, just means kirk has to carry him around yeah he's gonna like probably part of mccoy's plan he says that a lot Spock says that a lot. He's like, hmm, I've noticed this. Probably part of McCoy's plan. <laughs> Could you kind of take that in like a meta way where the character is just going, oh, it's the author putting us together? I think you can, yes. <laughs> it, it's kind of silly that way, yeah. So they're on a vacation on a planet that's named after the uh, land from Gulliver's Travels with the tiny people. Yeah, Lilliput. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like Tori said, most of the animals uh, are small. Animals are They've small. got like tiny bears. Tiny bears. Tiny unicorns. Tiny Did, mammoths that they call minimoths. They, they start off at the research station where they're introduced to like the second largest predator, which is like house cat sized. Right. Yeah. And also to the like becoming civilized intelligent species, which are tiny whales. Yes. Kirk and Spock don't actually interact with the tiny whales. Yeah, they, they mention that in one section and then they just they leave just, it entirely. Yeah, they see it and then they just. I think maybe after Star Trek, what is it, 4, the author just felt that you needed whales in a Kirk Spock romance. I don't know. Well, you know, Star Trek, yeah, I think it was 4, was the most, like, Kirk Spock romantic of Uh the movies. That's the one I watched the most. Like, I I definitely think I watched the movies more than the show. I watched that movie a lot. I I didn't talk about it, but I did watch... It's very hippie-ish. Like, movies, and especially that movie a lot as a kid. My my mom was a fan, so we'd rent that movie every so often, and I'd watch it over and over again. the silliest one, and it's just fun to watch for that exact reason. Plus, the relationship between Kirk and Spock is, like, really kind of sweet in that movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And just being in Pacific Northwest, anything that's like pro whales yeah. is just everywhere all yeah. the time. <laughs> that Save the Whales propaganda was just something about it was like beautifully corny. It was just like, wait, it's Star Trek. It's set in space. Okay, I guess we're saving the whales now in the nineteen seventies. By that, the way, because okay, uh, Star Trek Four Voyage Home uh, was in nineteen eighty six. Dang, after this, never mind. So this was several several years before that. Oh, that's very interesting. The author just sensed that whales needed but, to be involved yeah, whales somewhere. Whales would be a part of the Kirk Spock romance arc. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just intuitive for some people. Yeah, maybe it's just really obvious. We just haven't, because yeah. we're not real we just, fans. We're not, yeah, we haven't paid enough attention to know that whales are just the obvious answer. So the time these people are watching Star Trek 4, like, oh yeah, whales, of course. Of course, and, yeah. yeah. This might mean it's about the only time that an intelligent species is introduced in a Star Trek story and they actually get to abide by the Prime Directive. Yeah. <laughs> like, they actually do not mess with the whales at all. This is like the case <laughs> example of Prime Directive working. Exactly. Like, there's a research station. All they're there for is keep an eye on the whales. That's all they're there for. Uh, back with Kirk and Spock. Billy do mess with a significant amount of the other wildlife. But anyway. Yeah. 
Well, it seems to me they spend most of this time trying to figure out what part of the tiny wildlife they can and will eat. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay, so one of the plot threads, <laughs> it's basically all a show-your-work, step-by-step building of Kirk and Spock starting to communicate to each other more, admit right. their affection for each other. I thought I thought it was going towards an endpoint of them admitting that they are in love with each other. Yeah. But in fact, it goes past that. It turns yes. out the endpoint of this fanfic is getting to the point where they will bone for pleasure. Yes, which is very fascinating. Because they do start to admit affection like two-thirds of the way through, I want to say. Right. And then there's, yeah, another step. Which right. is... Once the author... just, I got more and more uncomfortable as this went on. I'm not going to lie. It's a bit of a joke when you're talking about shippers where, like, they'll end their thoughts and, su- and suggestions, and then they fucked. Yeah, that's exactly how this <laughs> and the, 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 Yeah, the last, oh, last yeah. line is like, like, I want to make love to you, and that's what they did. Three times that night, and again in the morning. And that's it. That, yeah. That's a fancy way yeah. of saying, and then they fucked. No, and this no is also, up. like, <laughs> such a hilarious, like, trope, too. It's like this, this hilarious trope of, like, Spock, halfway through the fic, admits he's a virgin. Oh, my God. Yeah. And has, like, basically no idea about what sex is supposed to be and, like, can't admit that he'd ever want to do that. And then... Kirk is like, oh, you know, I don't have gay sex very often, but I mostly, it doesn't matter, like, I just have sex because it's fun, and I don't really ever have sex because I'm in love. I mean, it happens so off they screen. Have, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty so, much what like, they said. Yeah, it's just funny that, like, they both come together in this, like, first-time kind of sexual experience where, like, Kirk's like, I'm doing this out of love for the... Maybe not the first time, but he yeah. like says, you know, he does it a lot, but I, not in this way. For Kirk, yes. I think he right. even says something where he's like this. He felt like he was a virgin too, you know, like this was something new to him, this feeling he was having, and then he actually goes through a lot of stages of embarrassment around like not wanting to, um, I don't know, like sully Spock's pure yeah, virginity it kind of or out something. Once he knows yeah, that Spock is not sexually experienced. Yeah, right, right. which is. Yeah, so many layers there. And, or maybe it's very flat. I don't know. And like, we're not really talking about the events of the fanfic because there really yeah. aren't any. Well, let's back mm-hmm. up. There's some threads. And so to get the to get the characters to the end point, which is done very slowly and systematically, mm-hmm. one of the threads, for example, is Spock... Spock turns this, this difficulty communicating with Kirk into a whole philosophical treatise in his head, because of course he does. Uh-huh. And, like, his his progression there is kind of thinking about what role emotions have, and his breakthrough is like, hey, emotions are there for an evolutionary reason. Mm-hmm. Which I guess no Vulcans ever really thought of. Which is hilarious, because that's the thing you want to, like, punch Spock in the face about all the time in the series. You're like, look, there's no dichotomy between emotion and logic. You're just ridiculous. And then, yeah, the Vulcans are supposed to be so smart. It's like, yeah, they've never thought of this. They must have thought of well, this. That, that's the problem with, like, the fictional concept of the Vulcans. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, uh-huh. it's supposed to be the philosophical concept. Because uh, Star Trek is a re- representation of a um, future humanist utopia where people that have taken away, like, um, commerce and religion in order to do, just uh, try to better themselves and end the universe. Yeah, the Vulcans like were communists. Yeah, <laughs> and the Vulcans represent like the the entirely um, 
mindful way, the entire logical way, and they kind of try to portray that as negative also because it's not very human. Yeah, that's what original series is about yeah. a lot, is like yeah. Kirk being the balance between McCoy and Spock. As and it, so like, if you actually try to translate right. that into anything practical and actual, it falls apart completely quickly. Right. right. And like, so once, once Spock hits on this in the fanfic, he's like, he's talking to Kirk about it from a lot of different angles, like, oh, so you... You don't like to kill people, and like the closer the the closer people are to you, or the more you recognize them as intelligent, the less that you want to kill because them. Because the question is, why didn't they kill yes. the pet that um, uh, that well, Kirk had made, right. made friends has, with? Uh, like a good, actually, like reasonable way. Like I think is well written for this in terms of like the way he's looking at Kirk is he's analyzing what his morals are. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at his morals as an alien would. Like he doesn't know what his preferences are. Like, intuitively, as humans, we're like, okay, yeah, most people, uh, you know, would rather kill a pig to eat than a cat, but people also don't necessarily think about their reasoning. I mean... Well, like, I've seen some That's books. my assumption. I do think about it all the time, but I've been told I'm a freak for that. Like, so, like, I related to Spock in this moment. I've seen some books in bookstores that, that have titles as, like, why we don't eat dogs and why we eat pigs. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of reasons. Like, a lot of people study it. Yeah. And Spock's just kind of that person who's, like, always kind of studying human behavior because he's half human and he was raised mostly as a Vulcan. So, like, human behavior is all new for him. And so we take things for granted. Spock does not take human behavior for granted. So Once I he realizes that, like, emotions like pity, like, have, yeah. have a point... Where it's like, oh, well, once the person's no longer any threat, like, you can feel pity for them, and then that removes needless violence. And it, it reassures him a lot about emotions for, that when he's thinking, Kirk is reaching the same conclusions that I might, but from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and once he reaches that, then he, you know, that thread progresses through the fanfic where he's like, oh, actually, like, uh, Vulcan really needs emotions because we're, like, kind mm-hmm. of stagnant as a society and, like, stuck in our ways of thinking. Which is actually, like, kind of a logical conclusion from the series. Mm-hmm. So, like... Because uh, um, that's how, you know, it's portrayed. So, like, as an example of Spock's thinking, uh, this is a Spock internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. One simply cannot say, Spock nod over the nodded problem, that logic is right and emotion is wrong. Though I was taught that as a child. The reasons, rationalizations, came later. One must show why. Show cause. By the way, a lot of this is done like parentheses and like exclamation points. Like Spock has parentheses all over in his thinking. Yeah, yes. Spock's line of thinking of it apparently like involves a, a teacher grading as it as it's going. Yes. And, and yeah. also footnotes. Like, yeah. It's actually like I related to that a lot yeah. too in the way that I think. Like I don't know if maybe this is the way the author thinks, but like if I'm going down a thought path, I'm like, is it this? No. Yeah. That's not right. Think this. Oh, think that. So, so it was like that. Go for it. Why must show why? Show cause. So much misery and effort. There had to be a reason for it. Logic is orderly and predictable. Emotion is not. Is it? Does not anger reliably make one wish to do harm? Well, love makes one wish to protect, to be kind, to make one's beloved happy. At times, not actually. To. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. If that were always true, we would not be here. No. The problem here is love denied in its direct expression. Indeed, protection and relief at my eventual safety. Those are the only those are the only he knows. What of the others? I do not allow others. <laughs> How can he show kindness to me when I do not acknowledge kindness? How can he attempt to make me happy when I refuse to feel happiness? Parentheses, own fault then. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of yeah. this is peppered with trains of thoughts like it's, that. Yeah, and it's it's like uh, as if you were writing a journal of your thoughts. That's kind of how his thoughts read. Yeah, which yeah. I think is so interesting. 
And there's another revelation Spock has in the middle of that that I think is interesting and not really dwelled on, where he's like, wait, maybe that's why my dad was so keen yes, on me to like go super join, uh, was it to go join Starfleet Academy? No, to go, to go to the Vulcan yeah. Academy. Yeah. Because maybe he maybe he married a human to begin with to try to inject some human values into right. uh, Vulcan. Vulcan society. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like was hoping that I would do that. But of course, instead, Spock doubled down on the Vulcan, as we know. Yeah. Uh, Which can happen to people who are from uh, two different like backgrounds. Is that they tend to like double down on one in order to try to deny the other. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, because Spock was raised like at, in, in Vulcan, so of course, being part human was shunned in him. So yeah. he tried to fit in. Meanwhile, what can we say about Kirk's kind of uh, progression through this fanfic? <sighs> um. They both they're, have to have that moment where they're like, oh, wait, both yeah. of us are doing dangerous things to get the person's attention. It feels like Kirk uh, realized that more quickly than Spock did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he also just is like quicker on the uptake than Spock is for most of this stuff, I think, because he's so experienced in human relationships. Spock has no experience with these sorts of relationships. Yeah. You know, not romantic ones and not relationships with humans either. And, I mean, I guess Kirk isn't experienced with relationships with Vulcan. Well, he's experienced with relationships of all species, yeah, he, actually. He goes he, into he some goes detail into some when detail. he gets on a roll. Yeah, like, about, later, like, they're talking about oh, my sex. God, they went in. That's <laughs> the weirdest part when they go into the sex details. And, like, Kirk explains, like, what he is and isn't attracted to. Because, like, you sometimes wonder in the Star Trek universe, right, what what is and isn't. He makes it very clear he's, like, some things are too close to, like, non-human animals to me. So, like, it has to be a certain level of humanoid. And then, like, there's this humanoid race that has, like, more what he considers to be, like... Drones, I guess. Yeah, like, lack of individuality or will. Some sort of, like, sub-sentient. Yeah, so he considers that off-limits as well because he explicitly says he doesn't feel like they can give proper consent, which is the same thing he feels with non-human animals... And it's weird because it's, like, he literally stratifies, like, an ethical way to have sex with humanoid aliens that have, like, the ability. He basically just says, yeah, yeah, he basically (laughs) just says the ability of consent. And he even explicitly talks about a time where he had, this was, like, way, like, (laughs) so much for this fic. He was about a time where he witnessed a sexual assault and how, like, horrible that was for him. Like, I was, like... We didn't need to go there, you guys. Yeah. Like, yo, like that was too much for me. I'm trying to drive my car to work and listen to a robot read a fan fiction. Like, please. I thought you were gonna talk about the time where you tried to try to make it with a plant. Oh my god. Yeah, there's <laughs> that it's too. Like, there's just nothing to do. <laughs> so this, like, the fact that we have so many different options here is speaks volumes about how much Kirk talked about his sexual experience with aliens and his sexual ideology, which I have to say is pretty good. He's like, <laughs> if you can give consent. Like, that's good. It's consensual. That's good. I'm like, okay, that's great. And that leads into him saying he really, really does not get involved with relationships on the ship. Which makes mm-hmm. sense because it explains more why he's always hitting on aliens off-planet or, like, on yeah. visitors to the it ship. Like, any new character, like, yeah. Way right. more ethical than I thought the character actually was. Because Kirk I, explains it like, as, mm. you don't try to solicit sex from somebody who doesn't have the option of refusing. Yeah. No, it, it's, yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's he perfectly says he ethical. Won't sleep with someone who's ranked under him. Well, he, and, says, he says specifically ranked yeah. more than, like, one degree. He says one of, degree, which, which I also was like... 
I yeah, feel like even that, on that. I feel like whatever. even that was kind of there just so the author kept the door open for these two to be in a relationship. Exactly. I didn't have yeah. yeah. But they I, had I to was, see that. I was just listening to an episode of uh, my brother and my, my brother and me, which is a comedy advice show, mm-hmm. where someone asked them, like, how do I ask the uh, person who's standing on the sidewalk holding the sign out? And they're like, don't, don't. They're they're at work. Never ask anybody out if they don't have the option. Yes. Of stopping what they're doing. Dropping and running away at full sprint. <laughs> if you don't have the option, then don't yeah. don't try to pressure them. That's like that. <laughs> it's strange how many people don't understand that. Yeah, like I've been asked out when I was at work a lot of times. Like especially when I used to be in like be a cashier, or be in food service. Like it's terrible. It's yeah, they can't. Like that's something I realized the instant that happened to me. You can't leave if someone flirts with you or tries to ask you, and you can't even be mean to them. Because you might get fired. Like, duh. Yeah. This seems so basic to me. I feel like, duh, just saying it. But for anybody who doesn't know this, like, super important here. Yeah. If they don't have the option of running away full tilt, just probably not. Yeah. <laughs> or the option to even, like, be rude. Like, they can't even be rude to you because they could lose their job. You yeah. know? Like, come on. So be like Kirk in this fic, not like actual Kirk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, this doesn't seem like real Kirk. That's, I, I, mean, I don't know. It seems possibly consistent. Kirk's sexual mm-hmm. ethics are very good in this. From the little bit of research that I did, it seems at least that the portrayal of Kirk as, yeah, I prefer having sex with women, but also I'm, I'm open to whatever, yeah. seems actually probably canon based really? on like a footnote in the first in the novelization of the first movie. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay. in the novelization of the first movie. All right. I mean, it seems relatively canon to me. Just because all characters that were portrayed as strictly heterosexual at the time, to me, always have the opportunity of being more than that off screen. Because, like, that's the reality is that gay writers were writing gay characters who couldn't be openly gay on screen. They're they're writing things that that had to be approved by the network at the time. Right. And based on my small research. To give the characters more freedom off screen than they have on the screen. That's how I see it. Star Trek was already on the shit list. Yeah, it was. I'm now convinced that if Roddenberry could have implied or done Kirk Spock a little bit more explicitly, he would have. But they had already gotten so much shit for the interracial kiss. like. A reason that everybody on the, ships on the ship. Kirk yeah. Spock. There's a reason that fan fiction was based on Kirk and Spock being in a relationship. It's because they clearly have a thing on screen. Yeah. Like, and it that could not be explicitly stated because of But you know, it is cultural very shit. much implied. Yeah. And I think especially for people in that time who had to also conceal their gayness from the world, the subtle clues that were put forward are very clear. To be picked up on by the right audience. I think one of the reasons why I was never too into the Kirk Spock thing was because, like, I I really appreciated their relationship as a platonic relationship. I kind of like yeah. the idea of having like like being like platonically in love or something, like a really deep, rich platonic relationship that doesn't Ooh. have to be romantic or sexual. The way I see it is like that is the next step. Like the first step we get to in our society is embracing gay sex. Right. And the next step we get to is understanding that not all relationships that are important and intimate have to be sexual. Right. And That's no, how I see it. I totally feel where you're coming from. Did you ever watch <laughs> the Japanese drama Long Vacation? 
I feel like I gave it to you, you at some point. You might have given it to me at some point, mm. yeah. I was so upset when the two leads got together at the end of that because they had such a good friendship going, and I liked their, like, dynamic. I'm the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm an asexual person. Like, this is, like, a big thing to me. I hate it when people start dating or start having sex, but I'm just like, no, but they have a great relationship. Like, you want to believe that there are great, strong relationships in the world that don't have to include sex. Like, you really want to believe that. And I believe it because I have those relationships, but media tells us otherwise. Eventually, they will fuck. Okay, whatever. It's a bit weird nowadays, too, because there's a lot of um, shows that write taking advantage of the sort of fandom that will take things in this Mm -hmm. context and run away with it. So you get a lot of um, gay-baiting stuff. Yes. Which is kind of offensive, right? It is. It is offensive. (laughs) It is offensive. It's like some of it happens, like, on, on purpose, which... Like, like the recent Sherlock series, for example, that was pretty, yes, pretty nod, nod, wink, wink. And some of it happens because they're still trying to get what they can underneath the censor, like with the yes. last season of Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's there's this and that and this and that. Um, and it's funny because, like, Dom, you brought up a really good point to me, which is, like, I'm always fighting in my head against the idea that I don't really want to see characters have to end up being sexual or romantic in order to be close and intimate. Yeah. But I hate it when those characters are of the same gender and they're prevented from having that because, because of, of the yeah. homophobia. So, like, literally there is this liminal, <laughs> unintentional space that was created by, like, a almost implied gay relationships where they were just very close friends. That's, like, that's my ideal relationship. But it was created by censoring gay sex so it's very <laughs> so it's a strange situ- situation you know? where either result is kind of sucky <laughs> yeah yeah totally like yeah. Mm. and that's kind of where kirk and spock live i guess <laughs> as well as in a cabin in the woods yes um but in see. this let's fan fiction about... they get to have sex so there you go i feel like the broad outline of of the character progression we've kind of covered like Spock changes more than Kirk. Mm -hmm. Kirk kind of has to go along and get over his discomfort with, like, communicating with this person he's in love with. But also at the end, he's super embarrassed because he's like, he doesn't want to, like you said, Tori, like, sully Spock now that he knows that Spock is sexually innocent. Which he discovers, by the way, like, because the unicorn, because there's tiny little horned horses, comes up to him. It was actually a binocorn, so... Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. That's, that's what Spock is. But they keep is, calling Spock's it unicorn. Not a unicorn. <laughs> yes, and they're also black in color, not white. But anyway, the unicorn, as they call it, comes up to Spock, and Kirk's thinking in his head, he's like, it's funny, because traditionally, unicorns only, Spock's like, what? And Kirk's like, no, it can't be. And, well, they've also been <laughs> operating, like, both of them have been operating yeah. the, under the procedure of telling every, telling each other exactly oh, yes. what they think. Because, like, McCoy recommended that, I guess. By the way, who would ever do that? Like, really? Especially people who are having problems expressing I think things. They're trying to be open about their feelings, but they just have no idea what they're doing. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're telling each other everything they think because yeah. they think that's what it means to be open about your feelings. Sort of a middle school sort of thing. Yeah. And they, they that's cheat. how they are. Yeah. Like they're like middle schoolers. Eventually they cheat by using a mind melt. Mm, it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're really going to like uh, game the system. I'd use that, though, if I could, though. Oh, I mean, me <laughs> Who wants to actually need to communicate with words? It's the worst. <sighs> words are the worst. Yeah. Plus, like, you just don't know. You don't know what the information you're receiving is supposed to be, and you don't know if you can trust anybody or anything. Words are the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after the mind melt, they 
they are yeah. a little bit more comfortable with each other. But anyway, those are the kind of the changes. In terms of other beats, we've been talking about the small animals. There's some entertaining moments with the small fauna of this planet, mm-hmm. like you know Spock's uh, Spock's legs are still not working well, and he's stuck mm-hmm. inside, and like a swore a group of small bears burst in and like start scouring mm-hmm. for food, and he's trying to shoo them away, and they just like yeah. look at him and keep looking for food because yeah, they, was they the know that he can't move. Where yeah. Kirk was like out gathering things from the garden and. Spock uh, calls out in distress. Like, Help, Jim! Bears. Yeah, and then Kirk's <laughs> thinking, giant bears. He Burst comes in running in the roster with the phaser, and he's just like, "What?" Yeah, Kirk runs in expecting to find like a, a person in a rubber suit, <laughs> <laughs> in a bear costume. Exactly. Instead, they were living, breathing, tiny bears. Sort of like a tokusatsu villain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I did like the progression in this fanfic. Like that was one of the first scenes where we get Kirk's thought. And he's just thinking, like, oh, my God, there's danger, and I must rescue him. And then he kind of starts to analyze that thought process as he goes along. Like, as soon as he has that process, he's like, oh, that's the problematic process. Like, and begins to analyze it. I feel like it's a little bit, like, cut and dry. Like, ah, scene happens. Kirk thinks this. Next scene, Kirk thinks it, but analyzes it. Next scene, Kirk thinks it better. Last scene, Kirk doesn't think the bad thing, thinks the good thing. Last scene, they have sex. <laughs> I like to call dry, this kind of but writing. they I, uh, gave you insight into his thoughts. Yeah. I think of this kind of writing as the author showing their work, mm-hmm. where they're like, "I need to yes. reach this answer, and I need to show every step." It's like every it's like <laughs> a progression along the ladder, like because the characters keep having a thought, and it's like a little bit closer to the goal, <laughs> like a little closer every time. Another progression here is them getting more comfortable touching each other, which mm-hmm. starts off with uh, James T. Kirk massaging. Spock's legs. What's Spock's first name? Uh, is, uh, Mr. <laughs> Wait. Isn't Spock the first Spock? Spock's the first name. I think. Oh, is it? Spock isn't... Whoa. Anyway. By, by Vulcans the way, only have one name, okay. right? Okay, I guess you're right. Uh, but Yeah, uh, by the way, the they're being massaged because McCoy says it's medically necessary for the legs to be massaged. Yeah. Of course he I mean, does. Massages the feet, which I think is gross, but whatever. <laughs> but also like the legs. Yeah. And... Um, over the course of eventually, like, touching Spock, and Spock is, like, kind of grappling with this idea of, like, touching each other to produce pleasure and stuff. But also, like, apparently Vulcans are descended from felinoids, Mm. because he starts purring. What's this all about? Yes. Oh, my God, I I forgot about that. I refuse to look that up. Okay. (laughs) No, it's not a thing. Like, nobody thinks Vulcans are cats, as far as I know. Okay, and I've watched a lot of Star Trek, like not a lot of original series, but a lot of like the later Star Treks. Like well, on animated, all of Deep there Space is a cat Nine race. And, yeah, there there is there is a cat race um, that ex- like there are cat like races, but Vulcans aren't one of those. <laughs> but I can see how the author would get that from like the pointed ears, maybe, or like the delicate features. Anyway, well, I think it might, it nobody might... says in this fan fiction that they're descended from cats either. It's just that he starts to purr. Now they right? s- they, they said that they're descended. Oh, they Vulcans did. Are, yeah, which is mm-hmm. why like Spock calls him Kitty, and then Spock's like, "Well, what would you like if I called you King Kong?" Because you're descended I from monkeys. I thought that Kirk yeah. was just saying that it was because he makes a purring noise, and then he started affectionately calling him a cat but because it... he was he was acting like a cat. But yeah, it's implying that they make purring noises because they're descended from cats. Oh, or, I thought he, yeah. And or monkeys. I missed that. I just uh, I got the implication was that he was like a cat, not descended from a cat. But I can see that, and that's very weird. Hmm. 
By the way, Spock's full name is Shichin Takai Spock. Mm. Uh, Spock it which is. Which is not uh, pronounceable to humans. It's weird because, like... Well, maybe not to you. Yeah. <laughs> they never... I don't think they haven't mentioned it. I mean, that's what it says here. So if it says it, I don't think it can be wrong. Well, According to Memory yeah, Alpha, there have been right. multiple behind-the-scenes... I just lost that. Where did it go? Well, because, like, with the feelinoid thing, it's, like, it's sort of trying to reason away the, the um... What was it called? The pond far, or the fact where like they go into heat once every seven oh, years? Oh yes, there That's have a been good multiple behind-the-scenes references likening Vulcans to cats, apparently, hmm. according oh. to Memory Alpha. So I guess it's not coming right. from nowhere, but I I was thrown. It's part of the fan base. Yes, thing I was thrown mind. as well. The purring, especially because no Vulcan on Star Trek ever has purred. That's never happened. That's because they don't allow themselves to feel pleasure, Tori, clearly. Oh, right. Shoot, I forgot. Yeah, I'm forgetting the premise of this fanfic. You can explain Damn. why anything like that. <laughs> the situation like has never come Like 90% of Vulcan behavior is just unseen. Like, the only thing we know about Vulcans is, like, they used to be violent, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And they're, yes. And their blood is green. Yep, that's pretty much... Oh, their blood is copper-based, right? Is that, that's why it's green. I think so, yeah. That's all we know. And their ears are pointy. Or, yeah, they're space elves. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else we want to discuss? Mm, I mean, I think we covered the bizarreness of the sex in this. Um, like it all leads up to a lot of tension, and then like there's yeah. a hand job, then they get then yeah, then it's a- Spock has a hard time justifying sex for pleasure. Kirk has a hard time justifying having sex with Spock because he's so innocent or whatnot. And then they get over it. And they get over it through, like, the mind meld and... Oh, yeah, you know what's really funny? Kirk Uh, keeps having... Yeah, he has a wet dream (laughs) and then he has, like, an erection or, like, some premature ejaculation later on. I don't remember exactly. He has to get masturbated at one point, yeah. Yeah, he keeps getting so embarrassed. No, they, he... they, they propose the mind melt, and Kirk's yeah. like, okay, let me just take care of something first. I'll be right <laughs> and then he has to go, like, jack off. Because I his justification, which I thought was hilarious, is that humans, according to probably what this author also thinks, have a necessity to, like, jerk off, like, at a certain period of time. Or, like, they get distracted and frustrated and things get really bad for I, them. I think some people think that about themselves. I, people, I think this is a theory that people have. I fully I believe that, that Kirk like, believes about himself. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, and my knowledge of the situation is the more often that you have orgasms, the more likely it is you're going to, like, want to keep having them because that actually increases your testosterone level, which increases your sex drive. And also, like, to keep doing that. And, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, but it also, like, increases because testosterone is a sex hormone. So if you keep having sex, you're going to generally, like, want to do it more. If you stop, it's going to kind of slow down. So I think for people who have consistently had sex, I can see how they feel, like, this impulse and this drive to keep doing that. Right. Um, and it becomes kind of compulsive. So Kirk's kind of of this mindset this is the reality of his human body. Like, he just has to do this. And, you know, there is a biological imperative to some extent, but he's very locked in. I just think it's really funny that he has this wet dream and he's so embarrassed. And Spock has no idea what happened. Literally none. Because right. he's just, he, he finds this sticky no wet spot on the sheets and he's, like, touching it. Like, like And Kirk sees it and he's so embarrassed. He's like, stop touching it. It's... It's yeah. CMA, and he's like, I have no idea what that is. And Spock doesn't know because that's the funniest outcome possible. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's the only reason. That was very <laughs> comical. Like, yeah. Very uncomfortable, though, too. I felt the, the embarrassment, like, secondhand. I was like, oh, God. Right. 
And so that that's the fanfic. No, yeah. awkward flirting, uh, inner monologues, tiny Very animals. Very awkward. Step by step into <laughs> Kirk and Spock um, sex. Vulcans are cats. Vulcans are cats. Yeah, Vulcans are cat people. Uh-huh. I think Kirk's more of a dog person. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we could wrap it up. I think I was joking about us being completely unqualified to talk about this, and maybe it's true in the sense that we don't have all that much to say. There wasn't mm. a lot of like um, references to different events that had happened. Mm. Yeah, and it, it was just lost on me. I feel like I mostly had stuff to say about their relationship and the dynamics of their relationship, but the Star Trek content was actually sort of minimal anyway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing I didn't like much about it is like the um, the premise of trying to force two people together by locking them alone in a room. Yes. yes. That, that that bugs me. What bothered me is that it was kind of boring to have them locked alone. It's also alone. boring, like, yeah. It was like a bathtub story. You know the story where the character sits in their bathtub and reflects on their life. Like, kept, a lot of it was reflection. I kept on expecting some sort of conflict. Like, yeah. Like, or, Very, like, a chance for one of them to get injured and choose not to in order to show their growth. It was sort of like the conflicts happened at the beginning of the story and then everything else was falling action in a way. Like, I get that right. they, they were trying to resolve the conflict the whole time, but, like, maybe it felt like more like just a really drawn-out conflict. It was an all-falling like, action. So, like, McCoy yeah, tricking really Spock like into action. accepting like, the shore leave is, like, one of the most engaging yeah. parts because, like, it's a, yes. there's a stake of some kind. I mean, that felt <laughs> more like, yeah, the climax of the story than anything else, but... I can see how it's kind of like a love story where they both grow to love each other slowly, kind of, or yeah. grow to understand their love for each other. I see the plot progression in Spock's mind. Mm-hmm. That's where most of the actual mm-hmm. like story happens. And, and I, Kirk's mind. I guess I could see that too, but it just... That's why I said I it's a bad I didn't think I was story. that good. It didn't interest me too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I actually really liked the moments when the author did describe their thought processes because I enjoy that in general. Like... Let's get inside the character's head and like see what makes them tick. But the fact that that was the whole story, yeah. Eh. I, I I personally think like stating somebody's thoughts is kind of um, sloppy writing. It it'd be better to show like reactions yes. and yeah. There's very little physical action. Yeah, but like ha- having a majority of the story hinging on that makes it sort of like better as a monologue than a story. Yes. So much. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, there's one thing I forgot to mention. The very, very Star Trek thing of uh, Kirk reading Spock 20th century literature that he read as a kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so Star Trek for them to still care about the cultural products of the 20th century. That's the funniest thing so to he, me, too. Specifically, it's like old science fiction that he's reading. And it's like, yeah. yes, let us, let really us compare Asimov the situation to an right? Arthur C. Clarke story. Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke, Clark, yeah. yeah. And they mentioned at one point that uh, Kirk thinks Spock's voice is amazing. They're right. Uh, Leonard Nimoy's voice is, is magic. It's, yeah, it's yeah good. literally yeah. amazing. Yeah. True. So, yeah, we got those things to complain about. It's, um, you know, it doesn't help that we're not invested in the relationship with the characters, but it's not yeah, super true. interesting as a story. Some of the little vignettes are kind of fun of them, like, uh, dealing yeah. with tiny wildlife and stuff. Go on. I was just saying an interesting personal conflict around the sex stuff in the story because I found it so gross because I think Captain Kirk is so unattractive. I'm sorry. I'm sorry anybody who loves you should be Kirk. Sorry. I'm sorry, William Shatner. It's not your fault. It's just the character's awful. Well, it's like, yeah, in the original series, Kirk was written as like sort of a ideal chauvinist man sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. which I find just disgusting in every possible way. Yeah. I thought you know, that I too. He also, 
it, words are also given to him that are some of the series is explicitly feminist statements. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just depends on the situation. It doesn't right? make up for it. It doesn't make up for the way he behaves, what he's supposed to be. Because like the sheer idea that he's supposed to be attractive by being a cocky, confident male is the one hundred percent biggest turnoff for me. Oh, I do like this, the part of this story where Spock realizes that Kirk is kind of short. Yes, <laughs> I was thinking about that too. That was fun. It was fun. Like Kirk apparently w- wears like you know shoes that have a little bit of lift on them. He does. He and has Spock, like a Spock's looking at that and thinking like, well, "What's show. the point and of he that?" Is kind of short. And then yeah. Spock realizes that like Kirk is actually kind of short, but just carries himself with command. Mm-hmm. And I totally relate because Spock is somewhat tall. Yeah. And I'm somewhat tall. Yeah. And it is sometimes hard for me to notice that some people are shorter than others because, like, I look down at everybody. <laughs> I related in like completely the opposite way, which is like, I'm really short, but I've had like most people in my life when I tell them I'm like five foot three and a half, five foot four, be like, what? No way. Like they just didn't realize they were like, you have such a big presence. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that like it is realistic in a certain way. I've had that. some points where I saw someone in the crowd. I was like, "Whoa, they're they're fucking tall." Then I stand next to them, like, "Oh, their eye level is a little bit lower than mine." Yeah, <laughs> I have lots it's of hard moments to know. where I see someone taller than me. I'm six feet tall, mm-hmm. so I see someone who's like six two, and I'm like, "Whoa!" And then I'm like, "Wait, that's Mommy, how I look to everybody." You're taller than six well, feet tall. No, I'm not. Yeah, really. I, I also see you someone tall like that, and I try to point it out to somebody who's short, and like, "What? I didn't notice." Like, what, they're, they're really tall. It's like they're like everybody's really tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. Everybody's tall. I know. I, I've had um, a lot of my tall friends, because I have a lot of friends who are above six feet, describe like someone to friends. me as like, they're short, and they'll be like four inches taller than me. I'll be like, yeah, that, sh- that person, like they're short, you know, they have brown hair, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like someone so much taller than me, I have no idea who they're talking about, because they'll say they're short. So so that that, that whole exchange was kind of cute. That was yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about our favorite things about this fanfic. There's certainly little parts of this fanfic that are cute character moments and you know more than one yeah. and like that's one of them like the bear assault on the food in the, in yeah. the cabin is one of them like that were fun and kind of a yeah. way to demonstrate um demonstrate character traits from another angle than having them think about it real hard um in an inner monologue <laughs> yeah and when those were happening i think they were well done and it was a fun fanfic Well, that's what I was saying is, like, initially that was the conflict to me as what I was going on before is, like, that I hate Kirk as a character, but in this story there were so many moments where the characters were kind of sweet and likable and you kind of wanted their relationship to succeed, you know, based on what had been set up as a premise by the fanfic. I think it was just hard for me coming from the source material to see those characters as the people that they appeared to be in this fan fiction. But there were so many cute moments and they were really well, like well built and the nature was really like picturesque, like a kind of idealized beauty that seemed like very relaxing. Like it was a very yeah. relaxing yeah. little kind of romantic story and kind of sweet in its own way. If I could have seen Captain Kirk as someone else, I would have enjoyed it a lot more, but how about two Leonard Nimoy's? Much better. Is that any better? Definitely better. <laughs> Isn't that too much? <laughs> no. <laughs> I kind of liked the um, meta idea of the story, the, the idea of trying to write against the hurtful um, uh, psychological concept of the hurt comfort mm-hmm. syndrome and trying to turn it into something more uh, wholesome and sustainable. I agree. Yeah, you definitely have to yes. read it in context. Yeah. And in context, the fact that the author is like, no, I'm going to get them to the point where they're having sex through communication and talking out their feelings. 
if it kills yes. me, by God. And yeah. I really love that the author acknowledged that that was a common issue in what they've been reading, and they wanted to take that on. Like, they're very sociologically aware to do like, that. I imagine back at the time, I might be inferring a lot, but it seems like in order to make the sort of gay relationship okay in a lot of people's mind, they had to try mm-hmm. to contextualize it in mm-hmm. a... Um, uh, impending danger sort of way mm. where like oh, they don't have any choice to think about societal norms or anything yeah they they, yes. they need to share their feelings because this is their chance their only chance or whatever and this just completely bucks the idea especially with the whole weird um, Kirk 6 monologue where he explains that he doesn't have any of those hangups I, I, I weird, kind of yeah. like that the more I think about it because thinking about Kirk in this fanfic and how he's like certainly not going to talk about that with anyone on the ship mm-hmm. except people who are close to him and McCoy and what's his name? Scotty. Scotty, I'm sure, do not want to hear it. They don't yeah. care. And so, like, <laughs> so like, given the opportunity, he, like, oh, yeah, he's super happy to ramble about his sex life. So and ba- he just, like, never gets the chance to. So basically, this yeah. is a 1979 version of Captain Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I think that actually works pretty well. But I also think that that character was probably a little inspired by this like early star trek stuff this is a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah, inception for true. like gay sci-fi like mm-hmm. really um was this kirk spock fanfic this is the first one i've ever this read but i know that there were a lot of them <laughs> yeah maybe i mean maybe that... i mean this seems like it was really tackling a lot of common tropes in kirk spock fanfic at the time and dealing with it really responsibly and, like, kind of trying to construct, like, a healthy relationship. So. Yeah, I, I don't know what sort of fanfics there were in Naked Times 1 and 2. But <laughs> yeah. This one seems pretty interesting. Yeah, Naked Times 3. It's excellent material. Legend of Curly's Gold. The author yeah. makes a mention in the opening thing about uh, the slash happening, the, like, the, the sex happening, the last sentence, was enough to keep it out of the traditionally hurt slash comfort zines. And I was like, whoa, there were entire yeah, zines that were traditionally me. hurt comfort. That would yes, mean that, like, that, was, that was so confusing to me. I was meant, like, what? It meant like the actual physical um, consummation of the relationship was I think too that's much. What they it was too much yeah. for, the, yeah. The hurt comfort of them hinting at a gay relationship right. without yeah. actually doing it. I don't know if anybody ever dedicated a zine like nominally to hurt comfort, but it seems like it's something people in the fandom were aware of. Uh, apparently, practically that happened because that's yeah. how the author defines it. I know, it's it. Traditionally hurt comfort Well, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm not sure. That that threw me, too. I was like, people were actually, like, going with this trope and calling, like, this, yeah, like, we must use this trope. This is They might not have been thinking about it in those terms. I think the author might have been thinking about it in those terms. I think the author did. That's what I think. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Now, having read a Star Trek fanfic, I think it is only logical that we progress to a Star Wars fanfic. It's not the same thing? Uh, I think so. Is there any kind of difference? Star Trek Wars? Um, Star Trek is sci-fi and Star Wars is space fantasy. Duh. That's exactly how I would define it, too. <laughs> That's the best way you can define that. Yes. Yeah. Well, specifically, we will be reading the fanfiction Father's Heart by Fern Withy. We'll provide a link to it at bit.ly slash rfr father. Just father. <laughs> like I said, I'm trying that. to keep it short. Father. One R. <laughs> <laughs> Not like a pirate, Amada. There might be space pirates in this story. We don't know. You are. You know what a pirate's favorite letter be? R. No, it'd always be the C. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yes, got my favorite Mad. cheesy joke on there. That was good. 
<laughs> you got me, Dom. You I, got me this time. I first heard that backstage when we did Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. That was quite fun. Mm-hmm. How, how do we get out of this? Just <laughs> How do we get out of Pirates of Penzance? I don't know. We've dug too deep. Uh, more, more bad puns? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Marx Brothers j- jokes? thing. Uh, maybe maybe we just end the episode. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, this, as opposed to next week, which is that, Mm -hmm. this was episode 11 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, This Deadly Innocence. You can find a copy of it on the Kirk Spock Archive, which is ksarchive.com, but we are also providing a link there at bit.ly slash rfrinnocence, which once again does not have any S's in it, despite uh, what I want to think. I know Sen Che. <laughs> I know C-E-N-C-E. Wait, K slash S stands for Kirk slash Spock. Yep. I just got that. You just got that? Yeah, I just got that. Don't judge me. The intro song for this podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website, such as it is, at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode? Please send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. All one word, no spaces. You do need that at sign, though, before (laughs) gmail.com. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Petty Officer Gnome. We are just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Bye. We, we uh, platonically love you. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. asked to go on a big adventure to the caves below to help some dwarves get back their gold that was stolen by a dragon in the days of old Bilbo. 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 Uh, I lost the note. Bilbo Baggins. He's only three feet tall. Bilbo. Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins. The bravest little hobbit of them all.